Keith. I'm Josh. And we're going to talk about money. Yes, lots of it. As, as we usually do. Is that the name of this podcast? Is it about money? Oh man, I'm in the wrong show. Basic money. <laughs> and today we're going to talk about five big mistakes to avoid in your 20s when handling your money. Number one important one I see is people buying new cars rather than used cars. If you have a lot of money, if you're a trust fund baby or you know your parents buy you your car and they say brand new, congratulations. Awesome. Except for you're gonna pay higher insurance rates for it. So yeah. just take that into account. But a nice used car, five years old preferably, has taken the biggest hit in its depreciation. As long as it's you know a good reliable model or type of vehicle so you know do your research and diligence don't just buy a car because it looks pretty you're gonna look at that and it's gonna save you a ton more money along the way and especially if you can pay cash for it that's definitely gonna keep you from yeah. making a big mistake and and we we've come so far in you know in the automobile industry rather when i say we <laughs> i mean america he was building cars back in 1900 <laughs> the, the, the car industry has come such a long way so when you think about like, oh, it's 2021, I gotta buy a 2016 car. Those cars are nice. Uh, and they come with a lot of the base upgrades that people want in their cars, like Bluetooth, USB. Granted, obviously, the more they upgrade, the more they put, and the more it becomes standard, like backup cameras and all of that. I, I believe the simple tip for new versus used car, you should buy a used car that's, that's five years old, because at that point, it'll have depreciated the most it could depreciate in a five year span. Yeah, I mean, if you wanna go for, you know, as new as possible, like it's one of your things, but you still kinda wanna be smart about it, you could look at a two year old model. I mean, your biggest hits are in that first two years, and then, you know, it trails down, and at the five year mark is kinda where it hits, like that's pretty much where the value of the car is. But that's the biggest mistake I always see is, you know, you go into debt on something that's just gonna take a huge drop in value, and when you're that young, your income probably isn't that high. And so if you make, let's say 25,000, 30,000 a year, and you go and buy a brand new car that is 30, $40,000, yeah. you're just signing up to just be a slave to your work. I get, I should say a slave to your work to pay for that thing. What's a good monthly price you think on, on a car? So I think the national average right now, if you're buying a brand new car, most people are paying almost 500 bucks a month in a car payment. After they get done and they pay off that five year, six year loan, they turn around and decide, I need to go buy another new car. And then you're in that vicious cycle of always giving five to 600 bucks to somebody else rather than putting it in your own pocket and building your own wealth. Number two, uh, this is the biggest one I see maybe in the 20s, definitely in the 18, going into college and wanting to go to college is a lot of times when you first go, you really don't know what you wanna do. So you have no idea what degree you're gonna get. And then a lot of times is you're not calculating your ROI on your degree. A lot of the stuff I look at and what's ROI? Return on investment, I guess I should clarify that. <laughs> Return on investment. And what do I mean by that? Ah, let's see. I'm going to spend four years of this and this much money to get this degree. Uh, let me look outside here in the market of how much this degree will get me if I try to look for a job with this degree. And if you spend 50, 60 grand on a degree and the only hopes of jobs you will be getting out with that degree is 30,000. 40,000, you are already setting yourself back to lose money. If you're wanting those expensive degrees like that or to go to an expensive university for that, hopefully you're going in there, coming out of it with a degree that's either going to pay you 
in that first year how much that degree cost or hopefully is paying you higher than that degree cost. Yeah, I think, I think, I think at a level like this, you should be understanding that if you're going for a degree to make money, which obviously you want to do for most degrees, but if you're going for a degree specifically to make money, specifically for the dollars you're going to make when you have this degree when you're working your job, then you want to really, really look at this, especially if you have to do student loans and you have to see, okay, what's the interest, how long am I going to, am I going to have to pay for it, and let's say you're paying it over like three years after you graduate, then that's money that's being taken out of you know your income to how much you're really making every year. It's a different story, I would say, if you're going into something because you really love to do it and you really want to do it, but it becomes a matter of, okay, I'm gonna have to take a hit, I'm gonna have to, under you have to understand what it is you're gonna be going through before you actually go into it. Yeah, don't come out of it crying to me like, oh, it's so unfair, I don't make that much money and I have this much student debt. Be like. You should have looked at it ahead of time. Yeah. You should have known going in, that's how much you know this career field makes. And I don't want to pick on them because they do great work, but social workers, you do not make a lot of money. Teachers, for the most part, do not make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. I mean, unfortunately, I wish they wish did they make did a lot too, more. Yeah. But, so that's something that you know you probably should try to get that degree as economically as possible. Yeah. Start looking at cheaper state schools, seeing what you can knock out by taking a CLEP exam or doing community college stuff. Get that degree as cheaply as possible because I could tell you, after your graduate school, all they see is, okay, you graduated. They've never asked what your grades are. They've never asked, oh, you went to this school? That's great. That's way better than going to this school. No, none of them really no, care. Nothing that's worth like a 10, 20, 40, 50 plus thousand dollar difference to get you a job. At the end of the day, they want to hire you. They want to know that you have the skills and they're confident in you being able to perform the job. You can go to the best school, you know, like, you can go to the best school in the world for something and sure it'll probably be like, wow, you actually went there, that's great, but is that going to warrant how much money you had to spend to get a job that you probably could have gotten going to another school that was a lot cheaper? Yeah, and I hear the argument about it of, you know, I need to go to these, you know, prestigious schools or these bigger places because the networking opportunities are just so much better. And there is some truth to that again you're gonna have to look at the roi on that is that networking opportunity really gonna amount to that much more money or could you do the same now with social media just start looking on linkedin for people to reach out to mm -hmm. looking for people in that field and just start building that relationship a lot of our stuff talks about relationship building that's really how a lot of jobs and careers are formed and how you build through there is your networking it's not what you know it's who you know in a lot of things mm -hmm. and you don't need to go to the bigger school to meet somebody. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I would say most of what is what the return on investment, the the ROI is on a degree is going to be reliant on you. Yeah. So just be mindful of that and don't come crying to me about how much your student loans are when you didn't look at how much you were going to make coming out of it. There is no guarantee in that. So. Um, number three, kind of will go into number four, but number three is not starting to build your credit. This is going to be important when you start looking at trying to get loans, you're bonding to buy a house because we already touched on cars. Don't get a loan to buy a car from earlier. Your student loans, also, if you have a better credit with that, you could probably get a better rate on it, but mainly it's about a house. If you start laying the foundation and building that in your 20s, by the time you start looking to get a house, maybe in your mid to late 20s, maybe in your early 30s, 
if you're in that upper echelon of credit because you haven't missed any payments, you haven't maxed out your cards or maxed out your limits, and you've been diligent in monitoring that for any errors or reports, you now will get the best terms, which means more money in your pocket in savings and how much you're going to pay on your monthly. And I think the reason why we include this on one of the tips for you guys is that it, it is simple to do, you know, whether it's starting off with a debit card, starting off with like a bank like starter, credit card, or something that you could do that's going to show other people that you have credibility in how you manage your money. I think one of the videos I touched upon when I got my first credit card, I would literally charge my card for whatever I was charging and then go on to my account maybe at the end of the week or if I had it on my phone and I would immediately pay that amount before it maybe even hit my credit card because I wanted that balance to be zero. And I think playing into this because this is what like this next reason is the reason why a lot of people say I don't want to build my credit. I don't want to yeah. get into building credit. If, if, you, if you follow the Dave Ramsey group about you don't need credit, which yeah, you don't need credit, but it does make it easier to get a house, um, is now you have an easier access to go into debt which is a very tempting thing because you're just like, oh, I could just repay it later. I, yeah. I, I, oh, I can make it back or something happens. So, I mean, if you do it smart like Keith where, you know, whatever you charge, you pay off right away. You have a card that's just for my gas and I pay my gas monthly, that's fine. Um, you don't want to make the temptation of, well, I can afford this because this I can pay for it cash right here, but there's that item there that's a couple hundred dollars more and but i have the credit i'll just do it like that now you're inflating your lifestyle more than you actually can afford yeah because you have this false sense of security like i have access to more money but with that is just a very slippery slope of kind of going backwards rather than what we're trying to do is make you go forward down the wealth path yeah and it's, it's, it's just that is the main point is that it really is tempting but having that self-management and being in that zone of like all right let me not have anything in that account that's gonna that's gonna look like okay I owe all this money because that can get you into a lot of trouble because then they're gonna charge you interest rates and then your credit's going to be affected in a negative way because they're gonna show that you have a lot of balances still due on a credit card but look at the bright side and look at if you're someone that can manage that and has the discipline to do that then you should go there yourself you should apply for a card and you should start working on that yeah and the reason why also you don't want to go into a lot of debt in your 20s is because you're going to spend probably your 30s to 40s paying that off. Yeah. And you don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, I've had a couple of friends do that and I think they got in the habit of getting a credit card and they would go out, you know, to bars. Oh, it's 150 bucks. Cool. Oh, dinner's 40 bucks. All right. Cool. And they keep spending this and then they realize like, wow, like I spent $300 that weekend. I have all this money that I spent on food or alcohol. And it's because it's just so easy to just, I want to have a good time, here you go. Yeah, it's very easy to lose track of how much you're spending in that sense. Yeah, and if, and if you're someone like that, then I think it's best to maybe leave the credit card at home. <laughs> this way, you can use it for certain things if you want to, but then if you're out, you got to use your debit card. And if that thing declines, you can't you can't get what you want. Yeah, you're done. <laughs> so yeah, that's a good, really good tip. I like that one. Yeah, uh, I, do, I, I, do that, I do that a lot at, the, uh, <laughs> at like the casinos and stuff where if I know I'm going somewhere that I'm going to be spending a lot of money, I'm not even going to bring a single card with me. I'm only going to bring cash. And there you because go. Because now I have this much I have to spend, and that's it. Can't do anything else. There you go. And then the last one is not starting to invest for your retirement, your future, anything like that. Um, there is some great stuff online that you can look at of uh, demonstrations of 
Two people, similar job, similar income, whatever. One only saves in their 20s, like let's say 200 bucks a month, from their 20s to the 30s, and that's it. And then you have the person who doesn't do anything from their 20s, and then but starts in their 30s to do, and then saves for the next 40 years. For some reason, the person who only saved for that 10 years still ends up with more money than the one who uh, saves for the other 40 years who started later because of compound interest and the power of time with that. Mm -hmm. Starting early means you only have to put away a little bit to get to the same amount at the finish line where if you start later and 10 years is a lot of delay in that yeah. and now you're going to have to save two and a half, three times as much in that to try to match what there is. So that's the one thing is in your 20s, start looking at that and just put a little bit away in there because you'll be surprised what it ends up with at the at the end. Yeah, and then and as far as investing goes, you know, like a lot of good things to look at would be like our uh, previous video on quick tips for investing, how to get into the stock market. We go over very basic levels of what you can do. I know that you say the word investing now and there's all this, oh man, yeah, the crypto and this and that. There's other things out there that are in place that are made to be things like index funds to where you can put your money in something that'll slowly grow over time. And that's the key point is that when you do invest, you are putting money away that you may not touch for, you know, 40, 50, depending on how long your retirement plan is, usually 65 and a half, 66. Well, that's just to get social security and all that other stuff. So when you have those coming in or pensions or anything like that, the main thing is the earlier you start, the less you have to put away. Because mm -hmm. if you in your 20s can find a way to put away 500 bucks a month, and then at the when you hit 30s, you technically don't have to put anything else away after that if all you want is like a million dollars at the end. But now you can spend that $500 on a family and everything. The reason why I, I like to say is you, you want to start that in your 20s besides the fact that time is your cost of living is a whole lot fucking cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> in your early if you're 20s. If you're living at home. Because yeah. you're living at home or you're living with roommates or, you know, there's a lot of different ways. You, you're, you could still have that college mentality of living off top ramen and, and, and being very frugal and all that stuff. You don't have that lifestyle creep that's all of a sudden inflated of, you know, I now have this brand new car payment. I have now this brand new house payment that I'm only paying by myself because I wanted to live on my own. Or, you know, when you get to your 30s, you start planning on, I want to get married, I want to have kids, I want to... If, if those are your things, and kids are very expensive, by the way. Otherwise, you could be like, I want to travel, I want to do all these things. Your, your life starts going into things that you probably won't do that you could do in your 20s. Like, um, I'll take traveling now. If I was in my 20s, I could sleep on a floor, backpack across the country, do all that stuff, would have had no problem, would have had the time of my life. Now I'm almost in my 40s, I'm like, screw that, I need a bed. I need to start staying in some hotel rooms that are pretty nice with some amenities. There's a difference in it, it and as you get older, it gets a little more expensive. Mm -hmm. Just cause the level of your comfort of what you wanna feel comfortable at is now more expensive also. Yep. So if you get the hard stuff out of the way early, you can kind of make the rest of that part easy. Yep, so I, I think that's a good amount of information for today on these mistakes. Hopefully, if you're in your 20s, you wanna avoid these mistakes, and if you're older than that, these are just common mistakes that anyone could make at any point in their lives as well. 
So go ahead and take that information and use it as best as you can. Share it with someone that you think could use some basic money advice from some basic guys. Yeah, if basic you're older, share it with the younger people that you know. Yeah, and of course, leave a like and subscribe if you like what you hear. And until the next episode, I'm Keith. I'm Josh. And that's it. Wow. <laughs> <laughs>